The Fettle Podcast is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle.ie is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. Our vision is a world where mental health is never an obstacle. Fettle is professional, affordable, convenient and effective. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists. To date, Fettle has helped over 10,000 people and will provide over 2,000 hours of affordable and professional counselling this January alone. Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. We are here to support the mental wellness of anyone who is struggling or others who simply want to continue flourishing. Fettle was created so more people can reap the benefits of therapy and have the tools to heal, grow and transform. You can use the code FETTLEPOD, that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D, to get 20% off any of our services, individual or coupled counselling, our eight-week self-paced online cognitive behavioural therapy course, or our well-being assessment with one of our leading psychologists. Go to Fettle.ie today to start your healing journey. Hello and welcome to the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly. I almost said the old name there again. I could, of course, re-record it, but I'm not going to do that. It's more of a natural thing. Uh, Yes, it is the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly. It is episode two of the newly named podcast in case you're an old listener tuning in you're wondering why i'm not saying me head is wrecked with tony kelly it is a new name but it is the same podcast the same great chats good stories and little bit of banter thrown in as well um yes you're very welcome uh, thank you first of all to everyone for the lovely reaction to episode one of the comeback uh, with Mr. David McSavage. Uh, very happy that people enjoyed it and got stopped something from it, whether it be entertainment or a message or whatever it was, doesn't matter. I'm just delighted uh, you guys are listening and that you enjoyed it. Thank you to David for coming on. Uh, he's a good old pal and a good old friend and certainly has become one. Uh, this week on the podcast, I have uh, former Celtic champion Graham G. Train McCormick. It is a wonderful conversation. I'm going to get to it in a minute. Um, I just want to... Uh, just want to say before I start, um, there might be a little bit of noise in the background. I have a, a little bit of an active house here today where I record my podcast at home. Um, uh, it's been a bit of a, a weird day for me and for my family today. Um, we, we woke up this morning to the news that my, my cousin David has has passed away. And I wanted to mark that at the top of the podcast. Um, if you would if you would like to sit through the interview and stuff, I will I will just say a few words maybe at the end of the podcast about that. And about Dave and stuff, um, I don't want that to kind of overshadow the interview I did with Graham either. Uh, I just thought it was um, uh, some of the stuff that, that Graham brings up and that, and that we speak about, as well as having a bit of crack as well. You know, we do talk about some 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 life stuff in it. Um, it's funny, I, I recorded the interview with Graham uh, earlier this week. Um, you know, you just don't know what's waiting for you at the, at the end of the week, I suppose. But I will, uh, if for anyone who wants to, to listen and, and, and stuff like that, I'll talk a bit about David at the, at the end of the podcast. Uh, I do, as I said, I don't want it to kind of overshadow the chat I had with Graham because it's a really, really great chat. You know, Graham is former Celtic champion, former BUI Celtic champion, lost his belt uh, in his first defence only a couple of weeks back. And Graham tells a great, great story of hope, you know what I mean? As well as as well as us having a great crack and a great laugh. He's a good old pal. You know, um, you know, his his story of resilience is great, you know, it really is, and it's it's something that people need to hear. And 
especially uh, you know maybe I need to hear it back after um, after the day that we've had today with, with the loss you know with the family but as I said look please enjoy the interview with Graham McCormick he is a wonderful guy uh, he's great and I really have a lot of respect for Graham and I love this interview and I will catch up with you guys at the end of the podcast to talk about the other thing enjoy Graham G Train McCormick on the Fettle Podcast all right, the phones are off. We're here. Graham McCormick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, buddy. Hang out. How's it going? Yeah, good, bud. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're here in your native Limerick. Yeah, Limerick City. Yeah, it's good to see. You. I'm delighted I came up now because um, myself and the and the missus are after getting a night out in Limerick out of it. So it's yeah, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's nice to come out of your own place as well and, and come somewhere for for a bit of a trip, you know. Yeah, no, it's good. Now you're looking in good, Nick. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, man? It's <laughs> probably the first time in my whole career that I've kind of not gotten badly out of shape after a fight especially after a loss you know what I mean mm-hmm. where I'd usually put on loads of weight and, and, and be kind of lazy you know and, and be too comfortable do you know what I mean but I didn't do it this time I think I took a week or two off it was just before Christmas and then I got straight back into the gym and straight back on the diet you know yeah it's mad I think you know obviously being a being a pro boxer a lot of people think you know you're getting paid to fight a lot of guys I know who are boxers like yourself you think it's you get paid to train Mm. And then the and then the fight is kind of just part and parcel of it after that. Yeah, yeah. So is your whole is your whole life kind of based around weight, training, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know what? But like, I'm my own worst enemy, man. <clears throat> when it comes to weight, like realistically, I should keep it down more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I suppose I have this thing, this self sabotage thing that comes at me, man, at times, and I'm like, I overeat and overindulge on things purposely to make myself feel. Like, like shit really and then I get into a camp and I have to work extra hard because I have more weight to get off mm. whereas like right now I'm at the same weight I was three and a half four weeks off my last fight and I'm about ten weeks off my next fight already you know what I mean so I've definitely changed it for this for this camp as to what I would have usually done do you know what I mean like mm. whereas I'd usually between a, I'd stick myself between a rock and a hard place in my camp because I'm like okay I have to train three or four times a day now or where I'm trying to out train a bad diet you know what I mean yeah. whereas this camp I I this time even like I actually got my friend Sean Cray who's a former pro boxer to come on and help me with my nutrition and just make it a bit easier for me man do you know what I mean and it kind of holds me a bit more accountable now like so I'm just enjoying it a lot more, you know? That's great. No, I think it's good to even start off on that foot because I think nowadays people know a lot more about nutrition, about counting calories, about getting into mm. shape because, you know, fitness and and keeping healthy is kind of a thing that everyone is doing nowadays, yeah. you know? Uh, like, whereas before, like, you might see someone wearing a Nike hoodie because they just want to stand on a street corner. Yeah. And people are wearing gym and coffee and uh, leggings everywhere. It's everything is gym, is what I'm seeing. Yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think people can relate a lot more to the training side of of of, of pro athletes now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think I think it's good as well for society as well to, to kind of push that on. You know what I mean? Is mm. is the training side of the gym for me personally? Like the gym, not only obviously it's my job, I'm a professional fighter, but it also for me mentally, man. If I'm eating clean and I'm training hard, I feel great. Yeah, my life is going good. If I'm eating bad, I feel like shit. Yeah, I'm sitting on the couch feeling sorry for myself. And I'm like, why me? Why am I? Why, well, I'm stuffing my face with pizza. Like, I might even want to eat bad, but I'm eating bad because I feel like shit. Do you know? So for me, like that whole thing of, of, of healthy body, healthy mind is a real thing. Like, and that's I'm just speaking on myself personally. Like that, when I'm eating bad and when I'm not in the gym, when I'm not doing doing normal things, I feel like absolute shit. Hundred percent. You know? Like I, for me, even at the moment, like I just reshot a scene from from the movie that I'm doing, uh, the horror that I just directed, and and I'm in it as well. 
and uh, turn of the year Christmas I realised it'd been it had been eight months or something like that since we finished originally filming and I hadn't been in the gym I haven't been dieting I felt huge you know and then the whole month of January this month I had to lose probably two two and a half stone coming up to shoot the scene one scene you know okay. my body just felt exhausted after it yeah. so I have a little t- I didn't have to fight anyone at the end of it yeah, 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 <laughs> I had to yeah, act yeah. with Mario Rosen stuff yeah yeah but like just I kind of have a little bit more empathy for people like yourself who have to drop weight so fast and then need to and then uh, you, you feel that weakness in your body yeah. afterwards yeah it's 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 very hard man do you know what I mean like like you know yourself like you've done it in a month like that's crazy like yeah anything over a stone like like for fighters obviously we don't think that's crazy but for for like an arm average like that's mental like losing two stone a month is crazy like if you set numbers like that's mad like fair play to you you're actually looking great Nick but it's, it's crazy like to lose that kind of weight but you know how hard it is you know what I mean how, how bad you feel you know yeah I I I think over the weekend like we, we finished it this as we record this podcast it's it's a Monday right and we finished that on Friday and I think Friday night and then all weekend I just crashed I had no energy whatsoever yeah. I felt like absolute shit I had to just excuse myself from my girlfriend's house on Saturday night. I was like, I just have to go home yeah, yeah. and sleep for two days, you know? Yeah. So I suppose why, why I'm sharing this about me is that if I felt that bad after losing a heap of weight to film one scene in a movie, like, what's it like to have to drop a load of weight? Like you're saying, you're, you know, in between fight camps and mm. stuff, you're kind of eating whatever you want. What's it like to do that and then have the zero energy, but you have to go in and fight a professional fighter? You know, usually, I actually haven't spoken about my last fight much since my last fight, but I'm going to just hit this topic on it now. Um, usually, like, my weight, I'd get it down to a certain point and I'd cut a certain amount of weight the week of a fight. And, I, and I'd usually have that on, down to a T. But this camp, I didn't do that. I've I, 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 I done it so bad. I've done the camp so bad and my weight really got the better of me. And the last week, in seven days, I cut nine kilos. In seven days, which okay. is a stone and a half. I was going to say, tell me I'm old school and yeah. you know what that is in stones. Stone and, stone and a half in, in nine days. So in the last, so then I woke up the morning of the weigh-in and this was two hours before the weigh-in. I was four kilos over, which is a stone, which is a half a stone, just over half a stone, four kilos over. The half, morning of the weigh-in. The morning. So I had two hours to lose four kilos. So like I was already fucked at this, at this point, like, and I hadn't eaten or drank water in 24 hours. So I stopped drinking and eating water the day before. And, about, and what was I thinking of that? So, when, like, <laughs> to be honest, what I was kind of panicking that morning. But I knew if I panicked, I'd hold on to the weight and I had to get it off. So, obviously, the only way to get weight off like that is hot. It's hot baths, like extremely hot with Epsom salts. Like, so, like, the water so hot, it burns your skin, you know what I mean? So, like, when I'd done that, I, I made the weight, but it took me the two hours. Like, in fact, the last bath that I took was about 15 minutes for the weigh so I, I lost like 0.7 in the last bath. Okay, I have water. to pull this back a bit. Hang on now. You, you need to lose half a stone. In, in, two four, hours. in two hours yeah so you had a couple of baths roasting half baths with epsom salts is, how, right. I, is how i cut the weight the four kilos in the two hours i wish someone told me that at the start of it the month it's absolutely torture it's torture how and roasting hot are you talking like as in burns your skin like roasting like not not, a, not like a jacuzzi no 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 not like not like like you can't you can't bear this like okay in fact like, i didn't take the third time it was so hot it get straight back out it, it, it left burns on my legs there's still there's still marks on my legs just, from it. Just you know what for I mean? the listener here, Graham is pointing in between <laughs> his legs, dangerously close to a dangerous Very, area. very, very close. Right. So like so at that point, I was absolutely bollocks, right? So So I am just I'm perplexed here. I'm very sorry to hold this up, but yeah, like, it's fine. half a stone and you lost half a stone by taking three baths. It's only water though. You know right, what I mean? It's but not real weight, like it's okay. not fat or anything like that. It's water weight. So like, no running, no sweatsuits, no not, not that at that point. Because at, at that point I had no energy. Okay, yeah. I had just lost 
six kilos in, in five days. So like, what weight do you fight at again? I fight at 72.5, which, which is, is middleweight. Middleweight, that's what I thought, 160 yeah. pounds. Okay, and you were walking around at what? This camp, I came in with seven days to go, I came in at 81 kilos, which 81.5, is which is nine pounds. kilos, which is a stone and a half over what I was supposed to fight at. So nearly 20 pounds over, or more than yeah, 20 yeah, pounds yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, So I lasted that in seven days. Okay. So with, with the six days before that, I was still eating a bit of food, still drinking a bit of water. So I was, I had a bit of energy to train. So I trained a certain amount, I got down a certain amount of weight and then the last morning it was the four kilos and it was an absolute killer, like, you know what I mean? An absolute killer. And like when you get out of the bat then, when you get out of the bat, like I'll show you photos, I know you can't see the pockets, but you, my trainers then, my trainer Sean Kelly, my, my physio Craig Redden and Willow Mack, they covered me in towels and sheets and, and quilts. So your whole, all this, all this not covered is your eyes and your nose and your mouth so you can breathe, like, but everything else your body is covered to hold the heat in. So then the sweat's still coming out of you. Wow. And then you get up, give five minutes rest, and then get back into the bed again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it was just, it was just crazy. So at that point, I was like, okay, I made the weight. We did the two hours with ten minutes to go. I had to lie down the bed. I was so fucked, I couldn't stand like. So I was lying on the bed. The boys, I got to come on, we have to go. So the boys had to dress me. We walked out to the lift. The boys carried me out to the lift. We're in the lift, and my trainer says, "You need to sh- you need to straighten up. No getting out of this lift because they're going to be looking at you." I was like, "All right, fair enough." So I straightened up, got out of the lift. Stood as much as I could, but like I was so bad, it's like I barely stand. And the thought process behind that is you don't want your opponent to see you being weak, is that yeah, right? Yeah, or his team to see okay. me being weak. But I mean, Stevie Wonder could have, could have seen <laughs> I was weak that day, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But look, we got on the scales, we made the weight, but the damage was done, man. Mm-hmm. For me, the damage was done. Yeah. Do you know? Um, so, so going back to what you said, how does it feel? That night and that fight, and this is no respect to my opponent, he was a good fighter and he fought a great fighter and, and won a good fight. But I got in there as a half as a half a man. I couldn't even throw a punch. I had no energy whatsoever. None. It's incredible to me. So just for the, the context of the listener, like I know obviously, but like you were the you were the champion at the time. You were I was a Celtic champion, Celtic, champion. Celtic champion, yeah. That's right. Uh yeah, I know that belt. That's the belt that my uh, pal of mine was gonna fight for as well, Craig yeah. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. He drew he fought for that same one and drew with Chris Blaney that time. Is is it Chris who you be, you beat for it? No, I no. beat Dominic Donegan for it. Okay, no, because I remember Craig and Chris drew. Yeah. That was just before COVID, I yeah. think. Um, the dreaded C word. Um, but yeah, no, so anyway, you were Celtic champion going into yeah. that fight. Yeah. And that was your first defence. That was my first defence, yeah. And a big card, and the Michael Connell undercard was huge, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was a massive opportunity. Like, so, do you know, it was cool to stay. It was brilliant to be there. A great experience and all, but like. It's a bit ironic that the bell is tolling in yeah. the background while we're talking about <laughs> you losing your title. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I just, it, it wasn't me in that ring that night, you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I'm, I, I've, I've never said this in any interview, and I don't know if I've been after, I've never said anything. I'm not taking anything away from my opponent because I'm an excuse maker. But that night, the fuck, the weight cut absolutely destroyed me. And yeah. just going back to what you said, what's it like with no energy? I had no energy and I could not throw a punch. It's, it's, yeah, and I, I think if I had done this interview with you before when we were going to do it before, I don't think I would have understood. You know, I'm not asking mm. any of the listeners to yeah. understand, but like genuinely, I dropped a load of weight this month that I didn't think I had until I lost it really, you know? And I had, I just, I couldn't go to the cinema on Saturday night. How did you lose it? How did you, how did uh, you? <laughs> well, it's, I, I try and do it as, as as healthy as possible. Okay. I count calories. I eat in a severe calorie deficit. Yeah. I do intermittent fasting. I don't eat my first yeah, meal okay. two or three, yeah. three, two or three in a day. Uh, I alternated between a 5K one day, weights the next day, 5K weights, five day, and I might rest on a Sunday, maybe, uh, drink about three liters of water a day, uh, no uh, sugar, no, yeah. like, um, obviously there's natural sugar. Not in a good way, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, 
the extreme calorie deficits are, you know, not really that great. But no, I absolutely, and I don't want, I kind of, and I do have a, a bit of a history of being a bit of an idiot with my body. So yeah. I'm not saying like I did anything, like I didn't do anything like to harm my body. I didn't do yeah. anything like I didn't yeah. get sick. I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, I did, I did a more extreme version than I usually do. Okay. Is yeah. that, was that okay, do you think, to do that? Well, like, like no, you, you, you done what you needed to do, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, in the long run, you'll be fine, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm abusing my body, cutting weight for years now, and, like, nothing has really, has really, nothing has happened to me, like, but the only thing yeah. that I've noticed for myself is that it's so much easier for me to put on weight because I've, I've done that so much. Yeah. You know, I've went up and down so much, so, like, now the minute I, I don't even have to go into McDonald's, like, I just look at McDonald's okay. and my ass is jiggling, like, you know what I mean? I'm a kilo or two heavier, like, Yeah, you know I'm, I mean? I'm so. 37 now, right? And I just, I always say, like, this 37-year-old body is not the same body I had two years ago. I know, like, that sounds a bit silly, but, like, this 37-year-old frame is not the same man. Yeah. I don't know who he is. It's yeah. not me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I completely understand, man. Like, I can relate to that. Like, I'm 35 myself, yeah. but I'm no spring chicken. But when I was 30, it was my body felt a lot fresher than it does now. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I'm still training unbelievably hard. I still outdo young fellas in the gym, and that's why I will continue to fight. And I suppose when I'm not outdoing these younger guys in the gym is when I know it's time for me to stop. Yeah, no, I admire, I really do. Like, the first time we met, uh, just to take it back, because obviously, look, a, a loss is, By the way, just before we do take it back, is that your first loss that you That was my second loss, man. Like, the, the two losses I've had are against very, very good fighters and very, very big opportunities. I'm not. I'm the kind of fighter, but, and this is no disrespect to any fighter that's listening to this, but if you're saying no to fights, in my eyes, you're not a fighter. Like You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're saying no to fights, these fights get put to me with my manager, and I'm like, yeah, I want them. I want the biggest fights out there. I'm not, I'm not 20. I don't have loads of time. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to fight Paul Keane in Scotland for a Celtic title, first time I fought for it, mm-hmm. on TV. You know, starting to make money from the game. I said, yeah, let's go for it. You know what I mean? I know it was a big risk. He beat me very, very, very close to the decision. Then, obviously, I came back with a couple of wins and we got this opportunity again on the Michael Conlon card. I didn't have to take this fight. I didn't have to take that fight with Fergus Quinn, who was a good fighter. But I wanted to, because I want the, I want the big, biggest challenge out there. So when I retire from boxing and my son is fighting, who will be a great fighter, was already very good and he's only eight, I want him saying, like, oh, his dad fought everybody, do you know? So yeah. that, that was my second last, you know, and, I, and I'm willing to put on the line again anytime. Where was that Conlon fight? Uh, Belfast That's in what the I thought, yeah. Odyssey Arena. Yeah, I, remember, it was class. I remember it was class. I remember that. Class. That's class. We we um we met for the first time in, in Waterford. Yeah. You you fought on the uh, Ring King's card. My yeah, my, yeah. my one of my best friends in the world, Neil Power, is the promoter. Yeah, top man. And you that was your second ever pro fight. Yeah, my second fight, yeah. It's a great experience, man. Neil Power, like we we're just saying before we went on, what a guy and he puts the shows are unbelievable. That show was like that was my second fight as a pro. So it's now I've been around a lot longer, but that was still my favourite fight. Like that show was unbelievable. The whole experience was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. There there's whispers. Yeah, there's another Ring Kings from Neil Power coming in in yeah. Waterford. Uh, I'm going to tiptoe around this because we're yeah. both involved somewhat in, in it, but and there's nothing official announced yet. But if if there was to be another Ring Kings, if sometime around April, let's just say, just yeah, for yeah. example, yeah. who would you fight on that? Do you think Craig McCarthy? I'm hoping. Like, <laughs> like no disrespect to Craig McCarthy. I know your friends with him. Very and good Neil friends. friends with him, and I actually like him. He's a good guy. I have nothing bad to say about Craig, but the fight makes absolute sense. Right. He's he's a, he's a good fighter. Sells a lot of tickets. I'm a good fighter. Sell a lot of, a lot of tickets to Limerick. It's a Limerick versus Waterford clash. We've had a bit of back and forth over the last year. It's been talked about a couple of times already. You know, well, the fight was set, wasn't it? To, to, when Rinkings was supposed to happen last year, just yeah. Po- it was a bit, a bit COVIDy still. Yeah, we weren't sure, yeah. and it didn't happen. Didn't I know happen, Craig yeah. is coming off a, a loss on, yeah. on Sky Sports. Yeah, and do you think it'll happen? I, I, well, I'll be honest. I, I've agreed. I, I, I hope it happens. If it doesn't happen, 
it's down to Craig, not me. And this again, no respect to him. I like him as a guy, but I've already said to my manager, and my manager said it to Neil Power, is that I, I'm okay with everything. I'm ready to go. So if they, okay. when the show is announced, I am willing to fight Craig McCarthy on the show. Let's hope he is as okay, well. Okay, I'm smiling because Craig is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. And I'm hoping that happens because you're both friends of mine. I like it's a, and again, it's not down to like, I'm not like, oh yeah, fuck you, Craig. I like him, but it's a good fight. And yeah. like, for me, and I know Craig is the same, it's about getting the best fight you can get, man, as an Irish yeah. fighter. Like, do you know what I mean? I want to talk about other stuff other than boxing, but it's the last thing for a while that I'm going to say about it. I, yeah. I, just, I said this to Craig before, right? Before the first ring kings, I remember Craig McCarthy, uh, uh, it's a good friend of mine and we were chatting right before it and I what I what I admire but kind of also find hilarious about boxers is like you're looking at someone like, like Craig is a monster to me and to any look at him he's built like a good a god right yeah 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 and you look at him and go I want to fight him yeah that's insane <laughs> yeah, how is that yeah. man talk to me about that mentality man like for me again I can only speak about myself but mentality wise I I, I consider myself a warrior man mm. true and true I've been fighting all my life. All I know is fighting, whether it was fighting out on the road or whether it was fighting for my life. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, I all I know is fighting. You know what I mean? I have mm -hmm. that warrior mentality. So if it's the Hulk in the ring that I have to fight, then I will fight him. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I just, I laugh because it's so, it's so foreign of an idea to me who's like been going around his whole life trying to avoid confrontation mm. and fights, you know? Whereas we love it then. Yeah, and it's just like, it's not even you love it. It's like your job is to fight, right? But like if I'm on, if I'm watching you fight, I'm watching Craig fight, I'm watching Michael Conlon fight, I'm watching anyone fight in the telly, at no point do I go, I'd love a go off of him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose if you put it that way, it, it's a, it, you know, it's a, you can look at it different like that. Like that is funny, you know what I mean? But like for us, for me anyway, I'm sure most fighters think the same way. Like it's, it's in my head, it's like, okay, I want to fight. Yeah. You know, all I know is fighting. I, I, I just it. want to fight all the time. I love it. I really do. Um, it's not for me, obviously. I'll tell yeah. jokes and act and do this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But like, um, no, you you mentioned there like about fighting for your life, and, and we <clears> we should we you know we said we'd touch on this yeah, a little yeah. bit, like because I'm in recovery. I talk yeah. about it quite a lot. We talk about it on the podcast. Um, and like you, you have your own story about recovery. Yeah. I'm I'm six years clean and sober in May this year. <clears throat> and it saved my life, man. Recovery okay. saved my life. I think that's why we get on so well. We yeah. spoke about it a couple of times and. Like <clears throat> I don't, I don't speak about it a lot. I actually done my first interview on recovery last year with my friend Kieran McIver and another friend of mine, Steve Martin, who run boxing, uh, um, boxing kind of podcast interviews, you know. Right. And they'd ask me, "Can we speak about it a bit?" You know what I mean? So that was my first time actually publicly speaking about it. So I, I've no problem speaking about it now. My life that I have today, I wouldn't have if it wasn't for recovery, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have the life I have today if I wasn't clean and sober. It's so that si simple. Six years this May. Six years this May, yeah. And do you mind me asking, like, um, what was your substance of choice? Cocaine and alcohol, man. Okay. Was, was mine. <clears throat> cocaine and alcohol. More cocaine than anything. Um, I suppose I, I, you know, I took tablets and stuff like that. Like, yeah. But for me, it was, it was, it was cocaine and alcohol. It's very, it's very Moorish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an awful day of tomorrow, yeah. obviously. You know what I mean? But, like, it, it's just... It just took control of me, man. You know what I mean? Uh, when I was in active addiction, man, I couldn't see anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't see another life. I couldn't see, like, I was just one-way traffic, you know? Were you boxing when when you were... I've boxed since I'm 15, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, I've always went in and out of it, you know? And, like, people said to me, oh, if you were younger now, you know, oh, what if I was younger? When I was younger, I was fucking in jail. You know what I mean? Did you I do was, the, you oh, were... I've been in jail a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been in jail a couple of times from, from the drinking drugs, man, you know? No, I don't go around saying, oh, yeah, I was in jail for this, that. No, I was in jail for, for being an idiot. Okay, no, I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah, I was, I, I've done a couple of, I've done, 
nine months, 12 months, and an 15 month sentence. Oh, shit. Because yeah. when you said to me, oh, I've been in jail from the drink, and I was like, oh, he did a few nights in the drink. No, 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 I've done a couple of sentences. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I've done a couple of sentences. You know, and like all these things I've done, I've done in my life in active addiction. I remember so I done an interview with a guy one time, and he said, Would you change it if you could? I said, No. Not a thing. It's I funny. wouldn't change one thing. It's funny that, isn't it? Because mm. the, I went through a, a good bit in the last few years. I relapsed and stuff like that, yeah. which I'm very open about. It's fine. It's, you know, I, I live my life in the open like that. Always yeah. have. So I think like when I was talking before the relapse about, oh, I'm six years, this and that. Yeah. It's only fair, I think, if I go, well, I failed and I had to start again. Yeah. You know, so like just saying what you said, like, you know, I went through a bad time and when I ended up in rehab in 2020 and stuff like that. And I was asked recently, you know, you know, well, if that, well, you know, would you change it? Like, well, if I, if I did, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. Exactly. So I feel completely what you're saying. Yeah. And like, it's, it's probably difficult for people to understand that though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, what you said there about failing, like, like, it's not really failure, like, but unless you give up, mm-hmm. in my eyes, no matter what you're doing in life. So like, you got back up now and you're back cleaning it's over again yeah. and you're back living your life and doing so. If you didn't, then you would have failed. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that, that's how I look at life, you know what I mean? Whether it be in boxing, whether it be in recovery, whether it be as a father or a husband or whatever, you know, we all make, we all, we all fuck up. We all make mistakes, you know what I mean? The Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists in an affordable way. Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. If you're interested in trying Fettle, whether you're struggling right now or want to continue to flourish, you can use this code FETTLEPOD, that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D, to get 20% off any of their services. Just go to FETTLE.ie today to start your healing journey. So you're six years clean and sober, but your son is eight, so... So I, I, I actually have... I have six kids, right? I have three older lads okay. from an ex-relationship. So okay. my oldest child is 14 this year. Holy shit. So I have the three older lads. I have, I have Ellie 14, Josh is 12, and I have Baby Kate, she's 10. And they were the next partner of mine. Okay. And then I'm, I'm married to my wife, Lauren, and I have Dylan, who's eight, Molly, who is two, and Madison, who's one. Jesus. So, like, I'm just the most fertile man in Ireland. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but, you, you had my share. I'm having yeah. zero, so you have mine. <laughs> but, I, but you know what, but... When I got clean and sober, my son, my youngest son, Dylan. Now, I love all my kids. They're all, I love all my kids. And, you know, the same. But Dylan and me, it's different. It's a different band. Yeah. He's grown up with me. You know, I got clean and sober in his early life. And he's been by my side every step of the way since I've been clean and sober. Like, if you see my boxing, like, he walks out to ring at me. Like, my last fight on TV, he walked out in front of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything I do was with him. So, I think he was a big part of me keeping it. You know what I mean? Getting it and, and, and wanting it. And it's not taking anywhere. Like, I love all my kids. They're all special to me. But it's just, with Dylan, it's a different, it was a different band for me, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was different for me. It was like, okay, I can't keep fucking up. Like, mm-hmm. I can't keep fucking this up. Like, It's funny because people, you know, I, I hear a lot of, around recovery and in the fellowships and stuff like that. And, you know, they, a lot of people talk about don't make such and such your higher power. Don't make a mm. person. Mm. But I, I do kind of, there is a flip side to that where there is a little person in your life or... Or there's something you want to achieve in your life. And I think those things in early recovery are so essential to cling on to. A hundred percent. I was only speaking about this morning. I, I teach PTs out the back. I have a gym out the back yeah. of my house. And I teach PTs. And one of my one of my best mates talked to me, you know, about recovery. He always talks to me, you know, he's a good guy. And uh, I was saying to him, he was saying like, how did you get it early on? And I, I was saying to him like, early on for me, it was the foundation 
of um of of, of it was my foundation you know it yeah. was it was what i done early on it was it allows me to have the life i have today and the reason we're talking about that is we were saying you know oh i seen this guy saying this about being clean and sober and for me i never really i don't like shout it from the rooftop oh i'm clean and sober because i don't feel i don't feel i need to yes i don't feel i need gratification of others every single year i put up a post saying six years clean and sober yep. grateful you know and and that's that's just for me so early recovery like you said there my son and i found i found a, i found a belief in god man you know what i mean now i'm not religious in any way shape or form mm-hmm. i don't go to mass but i'm very spiritual you know I, I, it completely changed my life man you know like i don't know like i can't you know get it in words how much it changed like i went from from a, from a drug dealing criminal going in and out of jail to a completely different life man yeah do you know what i mean and and I'm truly grateful for today. My son was a big part of it. My wife, my now wife, was a massive partner. My wife Lauren, she, she's she's my rock, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I, I don't know where I'd be without her, like you know. My mother and father were great help all that, but you know it was God and my son. I think that that they kept me on the road at the time. It's it's crazy because I, I like I'm sitting here listening to you and I know you a little bit and all that kind of stuff and I can't. I didn't know you did time and mm. you're saying like oh, I was a drug dealer I couldn't mm. and, you know, I know you're a big tough guy but yeah, like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. put you in that at all and it's yeah. I think it's a testament to what recovery can give you know and for just for me I, obviously we can only speak about our own personal things you know like I had that stretch of uh, almost seven years of like not doing not drinking and not using illegal drugs right there was a stage where I started kind of slipping into um getting prescriptions for things and kind of going, yeah. oh, you know, but the doctor said, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I yeah. can't sleep very well, but yeah, but Tony, <laughs> this is three o'clock on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah, you yeah, know that yeah, one? yeah, I know that one. And like, I started going like, well, you know, um, I will be going to sleep eventually. You know, I'm having a bad day. And, <laughs> yeah, and but, then, yeah, yeah. but then you start, you know, uh, look, I'm not going to get into all that. But like, my point is, I suppose, when I, I went to, I went to treatment, right? And I came back out and the difference in me now as a human being, and I don't mean to others, I mean to myself. Yeah, which is the most important. Is just night and day. And I'm seeing it from you, you know, it's that, it's, I think they, they, they call it a spiritual awakening. Yeah. And I never understood. Neither did I. But it's that change, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I remember being in treatment. I went to treatment too, but well, that was my next question. Yeah, I did go to treatment. I went to Bushy Park, and it saved my life, man. And I remember, I'll never forget the day I was sitting in my counselor at the time, and I have a bad memory. I don't remember a lot of stuff, but this sat with me. And he said, I'll, "I'll, you'll get it." He said, and I remember, yeah, whatever, oh, shut up, you idiot! Like spiritual awakening is coming for you. And he said, "Would you rather be here or be in jail?" And I said, "To be honest, I said I'd rather be in jail." That's mm. what I said to him at the time, right? And I remember a couple of days later, man. No, I never cry, man. I don't cry, not, and there's no respect anyone who cries. You cry, you cry. It is what it is. I don't care. That's that's just me. I never really cried. You know, I lost a baby when I was young. My granddad, you know, loads. My best friend was murdered. You know, loads of things has happened to me that that people cry. I've never cried. I remember from never forget the end treatment. I had to cry out of nowhere, yeah. out of nowhere, just sitting down. I was like, what the fuck is this shit rolling out of my eyes? I had to get up and run out of the room, right? <laughs> and one of the counselors at me goes, "Are you okay?" And I just kept my head down like a little ten year old and ran. I never forget it. But that was it. That, that from that day it changed. Everything changed for me from that day. I yeah. remember. I remember. I was like, okay, this must be it. Like, yeah. In my head, I was like, okay, and, and I started to realize, and then I, I remember sitting on the night, I was like, okay, I've been the problem this whole time. It's me, like, mm-hmm. it's no one else, because I used to point the finger at everybody else, oh, it's my mother's fault, it's my father's fault, you know, it's my sister's fault, it's, it's my girlfriend's fault, it's my ex-girlfriend's fault, it's this person's fault. Never ever realizing that it was actually me and my fault. Yeah. So now, this day and age, six years later, clean and sober, anything goes wrong in my life, it is my fault. Mm-hmm. It is me. You know, we are responsible for what, what happens to us. It's our, it's our responsibility and it's our actions. Like, the last fault, I could blame everybody. But it was me. It was me that didn't do it right. It was me. You know, there's nobody else to blame. And when I got that in recovery, 
that's when I realized, okay, I can fix it. No one else, me. And I fixed it. Not, I'm not cured. I'm cleaning this over for today. When people ask me, will I say clean this over forever? I say, I don't know. But I'll say clean this over for today. And that's what's kept me cleaning this over this long. Is realize, the realization of come to it's nobody's fault. What goes right for you, what goes wrong for you in life, it is nobody's fault but your own. Mm. You know, and I know, and, and again, I, I'm conscious that it, people have different circumstances and things happen and it's terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like people, we lose people. You know, my own sister lost her husband last year, you know, and, and circumstances like that are very, very difficult to get through. But what I'm saying is when we when we destroy ourselves, it's it's down to ourselves. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be great if everyone was working a program? Yeah, it? yeah, it would. To be honest with you, we'd have nothing wrong in the it's world. It's funny though because I, I, when I was in treatment, I was reading Russell Brand's book. You know, oh, he, yeah, he yeah. One on we them. watched his uh, York and the us watch his. Yeah, his his it was brilliant. Man. Yeah, we did as well. Yeah, that's what I actually became a fan of him after watching. I didn't really, I wasn't really a big fan of him until that time. You know. Yeah, no. I, in fairness, I, I've always been a, a big fan of his. I, I opened for him when I first started doing stand up. Did you? Yeah, that's class. I did about five minutes before him. In He's New a York funny dude. Him. Yeah. And I, I met him. Right when I came out of treatment again, yeah, on, on a Zoom thing about something else, and I, I said it to him, and you know, he, he yeah, look, anyway, that's uh, cool, though, man. That's it is, cool. it is I love cool. That's I love cool, like. But he wrote this book about the twelve steps. Yeah, I, I have it. I didn't read all, but I read most. Yeah, of it. I, I read it, a good yeah. bit of it in treatment as well. And basically, what it was saying was that you don't need to be an addict, you don't need to be an alcoholic or whatever it is to to work. These twelve steps can work for everybody, mm. you know. And I pro- um, you know, and I often do joke about it, like I just did with you there. You know, um, yeah. I go out playing playing golf sometimes with a few fellas who are in recovery, and we're solving the world's problems and solving our <laughs> problems. And sometimes, like what you even said, we go like, "Yeah, you know, I said that now, and I shouldn't have said that." And I should look. That's me. Yeah. I'll have to repent about that or making amends <laughs> or whatever. And then we just stop and go, "Wouldn't it be great if everyone was?" <laughs> you know, but like you know, like the recovery thing, it's great, but it's hard. Yeah, it's not easy. You know what I mean? And and. I think I, I, life became very, very hard when I got clean and sober because when I was in active addiction, I could just say, yeah, good luck to your life. I'm going to get fucking fucked and drunk and I'm going doing something stupid. And that was my problem then. Whereas now, <clears throat> in this day and age, for myself, I have to deal with problems head on. You know what I mean? Now, I, I've, I, I'm very strong mentally and I, like I said, my wife and, and me are a team and, and we deal with everything together. But... Mm. Sometimes it's hard, man. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's very, very hard. They say, um, there's a saying, you know, the, the best thing about uh, getting recovery and sobriety is that you get your feelings back. And, yeah. And the worst thing the is worst. that you get your feelings back. And it's the worst thing. Yeah, because like obviously you're saying that you, you didn't cry or whatever. Like the, I'm I'm actually the I'm the opposite. When yeah. I, before I got what I would call well, and I mean mentally well, you know, yeah. because I was yeah. insane. Um, even though I was chemically sober. Uh, yeah. I, I cry at the drop of a hat I was just constantly yeah. crying all the time you know films something happened someone said yeah. something overly sensitive you know yeah now I, I, I cannot cry yeah yeah you know I'm well now and I can't cry well trying to be well yeah well we're getting there we're getting there I, I can relate to that man I can, like sometimes like I, I can like I've said it there like you know I'm a big tough man a boxer and I think that's that's my mentality it's my mentality my whole life you know what I mean <clears throat> it's, it's you know I, I'm just like that but like my wife always says, like, why are you dope? Like, you're a softy deep down. But if you see me around my kids, man, you're like, that's not the same guy because I'm just completely, you know, I'm so soft and around, especially around my girls. What about my boys? I, I kill my boys, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always with my boys. But that's just me and the boys. But, like, you know, like, <clears throat> sometimes I think, like, am I emotionless? Like, can I feel? You know what I mean? But then when I'm around my kids, you know, I'm like, okay, I can. I, I can see now, you know what I mean? And I can I can feel these things now, like, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's ghastly. But I suppose... You, you, I get I get from you you don't like emotion 
Yeah. To an extent, considering you ran out of the room in treatment when you were crying. Yeah, yeah. Do you think maybe that's where your outlet is with the boxing, with the training? Do you put a bit of your, if you, if you instead of, say, say you get upset now, you, you don't want to go pick up a drink or pick up a bag or whatever, do you go to the gym? Is that something that you do? Yeah. You, you know what, but I, I, I'll be honest, I'll be honest and I'll say it openly, I find it very hard to deal with emotions, man. find it very, very, very hard. I always have. And that was the hardest part of recovery for me was the vulnerable side. You know what I mean? Because... I suppose I was always known as, as you know, tough, like tough, whatever, blah, blah, mm-hmm. but not going to get into war stories, like, but it's not like, yeah, fuck this, fuck that, like, but now that I'm clean and sober, especially the last two years since I've had my two smaller girls, I, I felt a lot more like loving to them, to my kids, you know what I mean, and to my wife, and you know, whereas before, I, 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 I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to love any, you know, I, I, I've, I've always loved my kids, Nally, but. Now it seems a lot more real to me than it did before, and when I when I when I feel these emotions, when I sit down, I'm like, "Fuck, you know, my heart hurts." Like, you know, and it's and it's it's very hard for me to deal with that, man. You know, and and yes, boxing is my outlet, and at times I sit down and I and I fear what I'm going to do when I have to retire because I'm getting older and I'm not, I don't have forever in this game. So like, it's like, what do I do when I retire? What do I do when I feel like this when I retire? What am I going to do? And and I sit down myself and I'm like, "Fuck," you know. Where, where do I go in? Like, well, it's funny because you're you're ahead of me in a lot of my questioning. You're you're answering things that I yeah. have in my head that I'm going to ask it, and that's what I was going to say. Is like you know, you're you're 35, can't go forever. Yeah, I'm sure you, maybe at the moment you probably can. Yeah, and I was going to say like what's next, but you're I'm listening to you here now. But before we before I press record, you were saying like you coach your young fella in yeah. the boxing, you coach his soccer team. Yeah, so I mean you're already doing things that aren't boxing. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, well, I only coach his team once, but like. Definitely, I will definitely get into some way of farm helping kids through boxing, you know what I mean? Because I know what boxing done for me. Even as a young kid, when I started boxing at 15, like a lot of my friends were, were drugging and drinking. I didn't do it that much back then. My act, my addiction didn't take over until I until I started making money and, you know, I, and got a bit older and got a car and mm-hmm. so on, stuff like that. So, like, I know what boxing has done for me. And then when I got clean sober, I know what boxing has, boxing has completely changed my life. Now, I'm not saying it has given me everything I have, like, but I own my own house, I have a car. You know, we can go on a holiday every year. Do you know, I have a lot now than what I would never have had when I was in active addiction. Well, just even the own own house thing is a big deal in mm. Ireland at the moment. That's not something we're going to get into with the politics of it all. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's huge. Like, because a lot of people, um, and I, I got into this a little bit with my David McSavage interview, you know, a lot of people want to put in their Instagram bio, I'm a boxer, I'm a comedian, mm. I'm an actor, I'm this mm. and I'm that. And I remember being told by my first acting coach, I don't want to see any of you people call yourself an actor. Okay. Unti- because, because act until, like, you're out there with everyone else pounding the roads, doing auditions, you know, actually Rafting. grinding. Yeah. You know, and you are an example of that. You, you, you came up, you did your amateur, you know what I mean? Then you turned pro. You bought everything you have. Yeah. From boxing. Yeah. You are a boxer. Yeah. You know, that's hugely admirable. Yeah. It just, it, it allowed me, it allowed me still to this day to... To, to work hard you know what I mean to show me what we can have for work hard and I mean my mother and fa- I gotta give a lot of that to my mother and father too back in the day like we didn't grow up much we were money a lot of money troubles my mother and father worked hard for everything we had we never starved we never went hungry we always had a roof over our head because my mother and father worked hard so I suppose I looked at that and, and boxing for me was the only way I could work hard I dropped out of school young I wouldn't be the most articulate guy you know I, I'm not I'm not into you know I, I've read a couple of books a couple of good books that really interest me but it's not something I do regularly you know what I mean so like boxing was kind of the only outlet I had so when I got this opportunity I was like okay I have to give it everything man because 
I wasn't. I was good, but I wasn't great. But like when you look at me now, to three years ago, I'm a completely different fighter. I'm a way better fighter because I okay, I was getting hit too much. Okay, I gotta work on my head movement. And now after the last fight, I know what I gotta work on now for the next fight. You know what I mean? So like, I suppose boxing has given me and shown me what we can achieve when we do work hard, no matter what it is. Yeah, and when you say like you know what to work on for the next fight, do you think that's keeping weight in between? Is that big time, of? big time? You know, big time. Like I have, I have a great team around me, like my strength and conditioning coach, my coach, and all, and and I got a new nutritionist with Sean Cray. But again, it, like I said, Chad, all reverts back to myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 we're talking about the recovery thing as an addict, and I'm sure you can relate to this. That self sabotage thing comes <laughs> in, man, Absolutely. and it kicks me in the balls, and it's like no gram fuck like my head is like no gram fuck it up man go go order food you know I could be sitting down at one o'clock in the morning like watching TV or half twelve or playing playstation or whatever and I'm like yeah, yeah order pizza mm-hmm. why like you know it's, it's just it's madness bud it's uh, and again this is something I've gotten into but with other people who I've spoken to in recovery uh, like it, that brain that mm-hmm. addict brain that's mm-hmm. always there's a little voice in the head that people don't understand yeah uh, and it can be something like what you were saying there, like, you know, order pizza, show who cares, you know. No one will know. I remember doing a talk show on TV there a couple of months ago, and I remember I realised that we were live on the air, and it was like, just say cunt. Call Martin King a cunt. <laughs> now, that's a funny way of looking at it, but yeah, it yeah. Leg- legitimately yeah. goes through your mind. But, like, I, I have, uh, listen, I've had way more serious issues. Yeah, no, like, and people don't understand that, man. Like, mm. what, what? Like, I, I remember saying to my wife, like, I've ADHD as well, like, so not right. only am I an addict, I'm a fucking, I've ADHD as well, so my brain, man, like, I, I've I've really learned to control it a lot better mm. in the last three years than I ever have. I list a lot of motivation and speaking, I meditate a lot, I do a lot of floats, one of my sponsors has a, has a float rooms out here in, just out, out, Castle, out past Castle Troy. Unbelievable, man, if you've never tried it, try one out. Tell um, me in the listeners what that is. Flow, a flotation device. So you get into a flotation thing. So I want to give Pat, Pat a big shout out who owns the flotation room out in, out in Castle Troy. I'll send him an invoice. Sponsor, sponsor, yeah, he's sponsoring <laughs> me for years. You know, and so you get into a float, man. It's like, uh, what's the best way to describe it? It's like a, a double bat, way bigger than a bat, and mm-hmm. it closes down. So if you're anywhere claustrophobic, you won't do it, right? Okay. So it's like a little space shuttle. It's cool. But there's like a thousand kilograms of salt in it. But man, it is just, you, you just, it's, you're floating, right? And, for me, it takes me about 15 minutes for my brain to switch off and yep. you just, it's just, it's tripping. It's, you're tripping, man. Really? It's it's unbelievable experience, man. Like, it's, it's very hard to explain, but it's so good, man. You come out of there, man. Like, you just trip out of reality, man. That's that's the best way of describing okay. it. Like, it's like, it's like, like Joe Rogan speaks about a lot of people. I know you like his podcast like that. I actually don't. I don't actually. Do you not know? No, no, no. But Joe Rogan actually has one in his house. Right. Has one in his house. I think Joe Rogan takes a bit of DMT before he gets in there. Well, well I wouldn't be taking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't do that. But, but like, man, like, it's the closest thing to a buzz I've ever experienced right. without without taking anything. You know okay. what I mean? And it's it's so enjoyable. You, it also gives you a lot of time to think to yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? There's nothing in there, man. Just you in this water with this tank over you. You're in this. You're in this thing, and it's just you and your thoughts. Nothing else for an hour, and it's it's unbelievable, man. I can't describe how good it is. I might try that because I I I the busy mind is a big thing for me. I can't mm. switch it off, and when it comes at me, I do struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I even getting to sleep at night sometimes. If I if I'm busy. My mind is busy, which is not always great. You know, I'm trying to think. Like even last week, you know, what have I re- have I rewritten this scene the right way? What way am I going to direct the scene? What do I want? Then what do I do next week when this is all done? You know, and it's constant. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's where I suppose maybe my addiction to sleeping tablets and all that kind of stuff came in. Was yeah. like, well, I have to turn my brain off. But okay. like what you're saying, there's other ways. Meditation, which yeah. I do struggle with sometimes. Yeah. But maybe it's the flotation thing. Maybe. 
How how do you how do you deal with the acting now? Because that's a tough job, man. Like I I, I said, you like I done a bit of train. I trained Lee Pace. He was here. Yeah. But I have a good friend of mine, Jay Redden, who does movies here in Liverpool and stuff like that. And I spoke to him about it a couple of times. And like acting is a tough job. Like so, how do you how do you deal with that now? Like with with trying to remember stuff for a scene and then not fuck it up. Well, I wasn't prepared for me to be interviewed here today. But yeah. <laughs> I, no, I look. I think. Uh, like I have made a lot of my own stuff like as I said like I've talked about it already like people probably sick of listening to it I'm doing the hurler you know yeah. my own movie I directed that and I wrote it and it's me as the main guy and I like that because I'm only letting myself down if I get things wrong yeah. but then it also lifts the pressure because I'm not going well there's a director watching me I hope he thinks I'm good okay. because that's the, that's the part of me I'm always trying to fill is I hope they think I'm good yeah. I hope they think I'm, an, I'm the nice guy I hope they think I'm a good actor or what if they think I'm a bad actor what if they think I'm a bad you know that's my yeah. that's my that's my downfall is I want everyone to think I'm good. So so I do, I struggle with auditioning. I'm not a good auditioner. Okay. Because of that, oh, maybe I did that wrong. I shouldn't send that yeah, in. Yeah, You know, and that's a bit, but I suppose when, I, when I'm when i directing myself, like I, I, I'd only like directed a couple of shorts and I, I directed a pilot during COVID and all that, but I was acting for myself. Whereas if I do, if I'm acting in someone else's production, my first hurdle is to get past the fact of wanting them to like me, yeah, you know, which what I mean? is which is people's struggles in everyday life. I think me as well. You know what I mean? It's it's no matter whether it's acting or boxing or whatever in life. That's people's biggest problem is what other people think of them. Yeah, it's my I mean? it's my biggest downfall, a hundred percent. But I've 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 done a hell of a lot of work around it. But but after that, once I'm there and I'm on set and I've gotten the job, I go right. Well, I've gotten the job because they want me to do it. And after that, it's about just making it's, it's just about making choices. Like this character is X Y Z. He is this. He is that. And he would do this and that. And then it's about, for me, then I try and kind of get into the character. Like, I did a drama before COVID that comes out this year. It's called The Tale of Billy O.C. I made it with a, a director called Pete Harris. He's an Australian director. And uh, it was produced by Dice Men Productions, who who were, um, you know, I, I I made my movie in association with right. her. So they, they shot my movie. I've worked with them a lot of times. I love the lads. Big shout out to Louie yeah. and Shane and, and Matthew and Sla. But uh, anyway, uh, I was speaking about this last week with them. You know, I played this, this I'm the bad guy in the movie and I played this cop and, um, you know, well, it, well, it's definitely made out that I'm the bad guy in it. And what I did was, you know, I decided that I would kind of keep a distance from the rest of the cast. I wouldn't let them get to know me really and I wouldn't get to know them. And, you know, and I kind of made myself a little bit, I kept a, this shield around me on set and it, it worked for my process because then we had a cast and crew screening last year because as I said, it's not coming out until, until this year, I think. And, you know, it was funny to get to know the lads in the in the film and I think they were kind of like, oh, oh you, oh, that, this is who you are, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. kept, so it's all little things like that. But, I, you know, I've studied under different people and I've, I've worked with some really great people. It's just about picking up stuff along yeah. the way, I suppose, you know. It's like you're anything in life, like, isn't it? It's like boxing. Yeah. You know, definitely. you said you're not the boxer you were two years ago. Definitely not. I've worked hard, you know what I mean? Yeah. And because I had to. I had to get better, you know what I mean? And that's, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what game you're in, you just, you're, you're constantly learning and pot. But it brings back to that whole, like you said, they are like, for me anyway, like it's, it's, what if other people don't like me? What if I'm not good enough? What if, and whether it's boxing or job or, people or anything there's always that I think personally that's people's biggest downfall in life is why they don't get anywhere with them because they're afraid of what others think of them how do you deal with that once there's no enemy within the enemy's outside can do me no harm I always think about that I love that I always think about that it got said to me a long time ago when I first got clean and sober and it never left my head and again like I said I have a bad memory so a lot of things do leave me but certain things stick with me and that was one of the things that stuck with me and it never never leaves my head when I feel like okay Oh God, like what if I don't perform? What is this? What if he doesn't like me? What if that's like me? I'm like, okay, hold on a minute, man. 
there's no enemy within you like you know, who cares external these guys can't hurt you they I, can't hurt you like, I just got me. a little bit emotional there uh, it's really that's beautiful because it's such the truth you know and yeah. I, 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 fuck, I keep saying it, oh, well, well, me. I don't want to be making this about me yeah. but I can only identify with you of course yeah. I remember before I went into treatment I had such self-loathing in, within mm. me that I was playing FIFA, trying to dry out, you know, and yeah. I, I was doing this, you know, when you do it, <laughs> when you're doing the guy where you're, you're just the one guy and you do a career. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd made myself and I was playing, yeah. playing for Liverpool. And of course, yeah. Right. But like, I remember seeing Kelly on the back of the jersey and I hated myself so much at the time that I couldn't look at it. Right. And I, t- I had to turn off the game and I didn't play it again until I, until this year. Yeah. Because I was, I was so full of self-loathing. Yeah. I hated myself so much at the time that I couldn't look at my own name on the back of a football mm. jersey. So to hear you say that, I'm after getting a little bit emotional here now, but um, it's such a beautiful message, I mm. think, you know. But it's, it's the truth. And you know, it's funny you say, I was only speaking about my wife the other day. My wife is the best person on the planet. Unbelievable. She's the best mother, the best wife. And I say, I love her. She's, she's, she's everything to me. But she can sometimes be hard on herself, you know, and, and, and speak badly about herself. And I said to her the other day, I said, would you would you talk like that to other people? Yeah. Would you speak that way to another person if you met them? She said, No. I said, Why would you speak to yourself like that? He said, What do you mean? He said, Why do you talk to yourself in that in that way then? If you wouldn't would you speak if you wouldn't speak to another person like that, why do you think it's okay to speak to yourself like that? No, I'm only saying that to her and to other people on my own experience. Because when I speak to myself badly, I act badly, I perform badly, I feel badly. People don't understand or get it the fact that what we do and say to ourselves, we really do it it that's what happens to us. That's what we become. We are who we say we are. You know what I mean? So like if I'm sitting down here saying, right, I'm going to lose my next fight. I'm going to lose my next fight. That last fight I had, I had that fight was last weeks before I got into the ring. I remember, my, I remember saying to my wife, I said, am I training hard enough? And she said, why are you questioning yourself so much? I said, am I training hard enough? She said, yeah. She said, do you want to just pull out? I said, no. But realistically, like I, I should have pulled out of that fight at that time because I questioned myself because I was talking bad about myself and I performed bad and I trained bad because I spoke bad about myself. Whereas now, I'm in better shape now than I was three weeks off my last fight. I'm fit. I'm enjoying training again because I'm non-stop speaking good about myself. Because when I stop doing those simple little things, speaking good about myself, watching motivational speakers, doing a small bit of meditation, you know, being around the right people, if I stop that for a day or two, my old, my old ways kick in and good luck. That's it. I'm gone on the, on the bad path. But once I keep that in my head, little routines every day, Wake up, say to yourself, okay, today's going to be a good day. You know, today's going to be a good day. I'm going to train hard. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to have a good day at work. You know, I'm going to be a good father and a good husband today. You know, for me, I remember my sponsor said it to me. My sponsor was very, I'm very close to my sponsor. He's a very good friend of mine. But he said, every morning you wake up, Graham, he said, there's two wolves. You have to feed one. One is bad. One is good. You feed the bad one, you're going to have a bad day. You feed the good one, you're going to have a good day. 90% of the time, I feed the good one, man. Yeah. 90% of the good one. But the days I feed the bad one, I'm a fucking, I'm, I'm not nice to be around. You know what I mean? I think that's the perfect way to end the conversation. Very mm. inspirational. I absolutely love what you have to say, Graham. Um, if anyone wants to find you on the socials or anything like that, how can they find you? Uh, yeah, I have Instagram. I think my Instagram is Train McCormack or Facebook. Yeah. yeah I have, I have to I'm going to plug you anyway on this anyway, when, we're, when we're doing it. But listen, man, very inspirational. Looking forward to you fighting again and, Thanks, boy. and announcing you to Won't the ring. Won't be closer to your house. <laughs> I think it will be. I, something tells me it will be. Hopefully. Yeah, look, best of luck, Graham. Thanks, Thank you, pal. my friend. Thanks Thank for you, having me on. Thanks, buddy. The Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists in an affordable way. 
Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. If you're interested in trying Fettle, whether you're struggling right now or want to continue to flourish, you can use this code FETTLEPOD, that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D, to get 20% off any of their services. Just go to Fettle.ie today to start your healing journey. All right, that was it. That was Graham McCormick, the G-Train. You know, we'll see him in action uh, very soon again, as, as we were saying. I you know, hope you guys enjoy the interview. And uh, as I said at the top of the podcast, I just wanted to mark this um, as it's been a weird day. As I record this, it is it is Saturday, February 4th. You know, and for anyone who's really on top of things, you'll be listening to this at midnight on Sunday, February 5th. And um, yeah, you know, my, my family suffered a loss today. Uh, my younger cousin, David Omani, you know, we got a phone call today. Um, to say he's gone, you know, it's been a whirlwind of a day. I'm sitting here on my on my bed actually recording this. Um, my head is just spinning and pounding a bit, you know, from 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 what's gone on. And you know, as I said at the top of the podcast, it's um it's funny, you know, I recorded that interview with Graham on on I think it was Monday of this week. You know, myself, and my girlfriend Shun, we drove up to um we drove up to Limerick and I got a hotel and we myself and Graham chatted and we had a great time and. You know, the next day I I met up with some friends, you know, my, my buddy Steve Savage, and we got new tattoos and, you know, I called out to, to my friend John, John Kenny, and, you know, we, we had tea out there and it was such a great week, you know, and it's been so busy and, you know, with the with the with with my film coming out and stuff like that, you know, my film The Hurler, putting the finishing touches on that and, you know, and uh, there was something, I don't know, I said, you know, this, the interview with Graham was, was so lovely, I, I, you know, I didn't have to cut anything, I didn't have to edit anything, it's gone out as live, really, you know, and I just, uh, there was, I don't know, all week I was like, you know, I could just, I could record the intro and outro um, now and have it ready to go and everything, and something was stopping me all week, you know, and I don't really know what it was, but maybe I do now, you know, as I said, you know, about about losing David, it might, I, I honestly have been so busy all day with family stuff and and trying to be there for for my family you know uh that i don't really know if i've i've kind of understood what's happened yet you know but as i said uh the stuff that graham touched on the stuff that i touched on you know um i think anyone who knows will and knows my family and knows david and, and all that would know that you know David was on the same journey that myself and Graham were on. You know, he he battled a lot of the same things. I don't necessarily like that whole uh, demons thing. <laughs> you know, he had demons. I don't know what that fucking means, to be honest with you, because uh, I don't know if it's an accurate representation. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just overused now. Maybe, I, you know, maybe that's where I'm at with that. But, you know, I, we come from... I, uh, that side of the family is, um, is all women, you know, uh, I have five aunts, well, my mother and four aunts, you know, all sisters. I have all female cousins. Um, you know, there's uh it, it there's myself, Laura, my sister Heather, uh Orla, Abby, Rachel, Zoe. You know, and in between all of it came David, you know. He's um he's the only male cousin I have on that side of the family, you know. Um he's the only male, other than my granddad, you know, that we had in the family. Um you know, we had a cousin who came before me even, you know, who unfortunately, you know, was um was uh, sick at birth. Um, Gerard, I hope um the lads don't mind me mentioning them. You know, I just think it's 
know, I spoke to Gronya, my aunt and David's mum this morning and just said, that I'd like, you know, would it be okay to say a few, a few things about him? And I, she said it would be. And I think it's only, um, it's only right to do so, you know, and, and today, and Franny was still listening, I hope I'm not boring anyone, I just wanted to give a little tribute to, to Dave, you know, he, as I said, we grew up in a house of women, a family of women, and that, you know, has a lot of positives, you know, but um, David was, uh, I think, six years younger than me, um, if I have my maths done correctly. And, uh, you know, now, I suppose, when we're in our 30s, it, uh, it doesn't seem that big of a gap, you know, but when we were children, it, it really did, you know, I, I felt like his big brother, I suppose, a, a lot of the time, his sister Zoe came after a, a good while afterwards, so, you know, uh, he was like a little brother to me, I, we had, when we were having sleepovers, I'd be babysitting and, and, and stuff like that, you know, and um, I, I got this, I got the stand for him for his confirmation <laughs> as well, you know, which was, um, which was lovely, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, it's still, it's still pretty shocking, you know, it's still pretty shocking, um, he's not in the country, he's living in, in, um, over in Indonesia, and, uh, you know, waiting for him to, waiting for him to come home and stuff, so we've got a, we've got a few weeks ahead of us yet, you know, and, um, I just didn't want to let this pass, you know, especially with the themes that we touched on, myself and Graham, in the interview, I felt like it, it, it this shouldn't pass without marking, without marking David's life, you know, um, He'll be terribly missed. You know, I wish there was more that I could have done, you know, as someone who I felt like his older brother when I was, when we were younger. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't want to ramble either. It's not about that. I just wanted to mark David's life, you know, with the news that we got today. And uh, thank you for everyone who's who's messaged all of us in the family today, you know, since it's, since it's come out. What happened and... Um, we just want, I suppose we're just waiting to get him back now, so, you know, to, to send him off um, as we would have wanted. But yeah, um, we, it wouldn't have been right after what we spoke of myself and Graham. You know, as I said, David was trotting the same path that myself and Graham trod. Um, you know, and a lot of it for me today is me sitting here saying, you know, I, I got it and I'm lucky and I'm here. And uh, and I wish I wished David had gotten it as well. You know, I do. I wish... Um, I wish he'd gotten it as well, you know, as I said about the, the the age gap when we were younger, you know, it's it felt really big. And I always thought maybe when we got to this age it, it wouldn't feel big at all and we could we could uh we could pal around and and we do, you know, things together and it, it, it life didn't work out that way, but um yeah, I'll always be thinking of him and um if you're listening to this I know this is a bit somber, you know, but um just uh, maybe say a little prayer or keep him in your thoughts today. Um, thank you very much guys this is the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly rest in peace Dave we love you pal the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly is presented and edited by Tony Kelly produced by Lovely Hurling Productions sponsored by Fettle.ie and with music provided by Dave Giordano Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.